Testing, microphone one, two, check, three, one, two, four, three, five, a million, 68, million, 12, 12, 32. We both said 12 at the same time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hey guys, welcome back to Pucks and Pages. My name is Steven, that's my lovely wife Liberty. And we're a married couple with different hobbies. I am the book nerd, he is the sports enthusiast. I feel like enthusiast isn't a strong enough word. Sports fanatic. Sure. Okay. <laughs> and we try to force our hobbies upon each other with the latest news in both books and sports. And today is the sports episode. The least favorite of all the episodes. As everybody so kindly reminds us, but hopefully you guys are learning sports things with us. Well, I am, but I mean, I tend to forget pretty quickly. I still call What's-His-Face the guy with the helmet thing. You still call him What's-His-Face with the helmet thing? Uh, the guy that was signed to the Bucks. Oh, uh, Antonio Brown. The yeah. guy with the helmet thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pretty accurate, I guess. But you've already told me in three episodes who he is, so that's kind of a problem. Not really. I feel like he's one of those guys that if like you did forget about, it's probably better for the world of football anyway, so it's Maybe. not the end of the world. But since we're already talking about it, let's start with the NFL. Okay, let me scroll down my notes then. <laughs> not ready for things, that. <laughs> things have been happening. Yeah, COVID things mostly. Just because you're tired of it doesn't mean the pandemic is over. Clearly. The Kansas City Chiefs have placed defensive tackle Chris Jones on the reserve slash COVID list on Thursday. Earlier in the day, the Chiefs announced that the head athletic trainer Rick Burkholder tested positive for COVID. Jones did not test positive, but had close contact with someone who did, so I assumed it was the athletic trainer guy. Yeah, so it seemed like the week of staffers getting the COVIDs, and there were players getting it because of the staffers, I only imagine. So it was... I tried not to keep all the staffers' names because, like, I, I don't know. I feel like they're the more human of the people. <laughs> Believe it or not, but athletes are actually humans. What? I know. It's right. crazy. But you're probably right. They're the more, like, human element. They're not as celebrity. Front as... and center as, like, the athletes would be. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I can kind of understand that. I kept mostly, like, head coaches and players on mine because otherwise we'd be talking about COVID in the NFL for, the like, the end of the world. I don't know what other ones you had, but yeah. Well, it's just they placed a player onto this list because, because he had staffer. contact yeah. with the staffer, yeah. is my point. Yeah. Because that means because someone in the office doesn't know how to socially distance, suddenly you're affecting the game itself at this point. Yeah, that's a pretty big screw up and I can only imagine the reprimand is probably not going to be that friendly. Well, we have more reprimands yeah. happening later because I want to get through the COVID list first. The Chicago Bears offensive lineman Cody Whitehair tested positive for COVID on Thursday. Yeah. The Bears decided to work virtually for the day as an added precaution to help prevent further potential spread. Yeah, I don't know how one day is going to really help that too much, but... So I'll clarify, because I have more notes on that. It also included Jason Spriggs, who is also an offensive lineman that was tested positive as it well. It was earlier in the week, though, yeah. for him. Yeah. He got tested positive earlier in the week, yeah. not so just Cody Whitehair. They're, they're saying more than likely it's together because they're both offensive linemen. Go figure. They probably are practicing in close proximity to one another. You mean it's not because they're a couple? No, they're no, definitely okay. not. Yeah, I'm sorry to break your heart on that one. One of these days, you're going to have <laughs> a couple come out of a locker room, I swear. Yeah. So the two of them have basically been benched. There was a third player who wasn't named, at least in any of the articles I found. It's a COVID a trois. Yeah. Instead of a menage a trois. He tested negative, but because he was in close proximity to two of those guys during the same week, they're like, dude, just in case, 
you stay away from us just for, you know, a little bit. But yeah, the facility was closed. Thursday reopened on Friday. Uh, the players that were able to come to the practices on Friday had a negative test Thursday and then also negative test Friday morning before they came to the afternoon practices. Which is why the NFL cleared them to go back to doing their normal stuff. Correct, Amundo. Yeah. Who else has COVID? Because that was my whole list of people who actually had it or were somewhat Boy, affected you, by other people having it. Yeah, missed a lot. Um, so this week, 40% of the teams in the NFL reported a positive COVID test. Why was that not front and center um, on um, ESPN? Amongst their staffers and or players. I need to stop using ESPN. You really do. Hey, I mean, the first week I didn't even find sports news. So like this is an improvement. <laughs> it's growth. We're going in the right direction slowly but surely. So 40% of teams had someone? Yeah, uh, either a staffer or a player test positive for COVID, which is definitely interesting to say the least. Uh, We have the Packers linebacker Chris Barnes tested positive on Friday after playing the previous night against the 49ers. So the 49ers are infecting people. Well, either that or he had it and the test was a false negative, which does happen very rarely, but it does happen. So they are testing... Every player that was in close proximity to him. Uh, so all the players? Well, anybody that was on the offensive side of the ball where he would have basically touched them or come into contact with them, as well as everybody and the defensive pairings that worked with him as well. The Bengals also closed their facility during the bye week due to two players testing positive for COVID-19 this past week as well. Conveniently, it's a bye week, so like it really didn't throw anything off. It's kind of like the Chargers' experience the previous week. Yeah. But the fines came down from the heavens, and I don't know if you have news about this, but I do. The Pittsburgh Steelers were fined $250,000, and Coach Mike Tomlin was fined $100,000 for failure to follow COVID protocols. And this discipline stems from members of the staff not wearing face coverings at all times on the sideline during Sunday's game against the Ravens. It also included a player who decided to opt out from wearing his GPS tracking watch while he was at practice. Come on, man. Like, that's the most simple thing you can be doing yep so that that's where the team fine came into play tomlin's was obviously because the entire game he had him wearing his like gator is really what he was wearing he wasn't wearing a mask down under his chin the entire time and it's like dude they can still hear you through the mic just fine if you have your thin sheet of nothing over your face you don't have to shout any louder for them to hear you i promise Though that is something that we do see in day-to-day life, going out in public wearing a mask and people think they have to shout at each other. And and then the crazy thing is when, like, people take their mask off to talk on the phone and I'm like, your voice is the same. Like, you're not being impeded that much. Right. Like, it's just crazy to me. So I just don't, I can't grasp why coaches feel the need to just be like, I need you to see the angry expressions on my face right now. And it's like... A, Tomlin, you don't need to be upset. Your team's 7-0. You're one of two undefeated teams still left in the NFL. Get over it. Like, there's no reason for you to be that irate to where you're like, I need my facial expression seen. Like, that's the only thing I could imagine is the argument. He (laughs) needs to learn to do eye work. Yes. Expressive eyes. Or, like, full body language, like, arms and legs and kicks. Act like like you're in the theater. Just over-exaggerate everything. Yes, exactly. Perfect. So for the Pittsburgh Steelers, the team announced on Saturday that a staff member tested positive for COVID and is now in quarantine. I wonder what happened there. And so now the team is participating in contact tracing. Fun times. 
Also this week, the Las Vegas Raiders picked up a $500,000 fine. I didn't hear about this. And they are taking a six-round draft pick from the team as penalty for violation of COVID-19 protocols. So do they? does no one have a six-round pick? Who does that go to? I think it just disappears. It's just one less pick going in the draft, basically. Well, the draft class doesn't necessarily deserve that. I don't know. There's no way to do that, I guess. Yeah, I don't know that there's really a fair way to hand out an extra pick to somebody. Like, well, give it to the one team that's following the protocols the best. Like, hey, guys, you're the least amount of COVID cases. You win an extra pick in the sixth round. But head coach John Gruden was also fined $150,000 because it is his second offense of not wearing a mask during a game. When is the GM going to decide not to let this guy on the field? I don't know. It's starting to cost him a lot. Uh, It really is. The Raiders are over a million dollars worth of fines this season so far. So just as an organization, not counting the individual like fines to coaches and players and stuff. Fun times in Las Vegas. They're taking really big bets in Vegas, but none of them are coming back winners right now. Yeah. That's pretty much all the COVID news I have in the NFL. It's pretty much all the news I had for the NFL. It seemed like that was pretty much what was going on. I have have some more. I'll I have more NFL news. Yeah. I think this is the correct way to pronounce this man's name, but correct me if I'm wrong. Jadavon Clowney? Jadavon Clowney, yeah, or Jadavon Clowney. I, I know who he is. Yes. Okay, yeah. so he's from the Tennessee Titans. Yep. He has a meniscus injury that might require surgery. He's been trying to play through uh, this knee injury, but at this point it looks like he's not going to be able to do that anymore because he's listed as questionable for today's game against the Bears. Mm-hmm. But people commentators are saying he's probably not going to play because he hasn't practiced all week. Yeah, it was announced about like 20 minutes ago he's not playing today. So, yeah. And his status for Thursday's game versus the Colts is also in question. I assume he's not going to do that one either. But this goes to my thing where like, why are players deciding to try to play through injuries? Like you're not any better than like the next string guy down. He is though. Injured? Yes. Injured, you're better than the next available guy? Yes. Yeah, so y- I don't you, you if you remember 2 weeks ago we just discussed his trade to Tennessee where the player that was traded away from the team was upset that this happened like he was being benched, he was being healthy scratched. Right. Um, I believe he went to like the Jaguars or the Panthers or something like that. Some smaller East Coast team. And he was irate because he was getting benched because this guy was playing partially injured. And he's like, I'm better than him. And the entire NFL community and press were like, no, you're not. You're really not. And so much so that he started pitching a stink, requesting a trade. And the Titans were like, cool, see you later. So it's kind of a little bit of irony, I guess. You know, you're going to end up benching him and you traded away the guy that could have filled his spot. I don't think that an unhealthy person, a person with an injury, should be playing because I don't think you can play nearly up to the level you need to in order to be in the game. Right. Or even if somehow you're some guy who can play through an injury and, like, you're a bad mother trucker, then... You're just making your injury worse. Right. And it's going to be worse when the season's finally over. You take care of your injury. And then I don't see you for the next 12 months because you done messed up your knee too bad. Yeah. So, again, players doing stupid stuff I don't like. Welcome to the world of being an athlete, I guess. And the Jets' Sam Darnold didn't practice on Saturday and is listed as doubtful to play Monday against the Patriots. 
He had re-aggravated the AC joint in his shoulder last week and sat out of practice on Thursday, participated in what they're calling limited capacity on Friday. Right. So I don't know how you do that if you're like more coordinating plays and stuff for So limited capacity usually means that he's practicing as the backup. They're letting somebody else get the repetitions at practice at the larger percentage and just letting him have the smaller amount, which is not a bad way to let yourself heal over time. So I'm not shocked. Well, he first injured his arm in week four in the game against the Broncos, and then he sat out for two games, and now he is probably not playing on Monday. Yeah. Whether he's healthy or not, it really makes no difference to the Jets. The Jets are the worst team in the NFL, and they're not going to change that this year. There's a lot of people betting they're not even going to get one win this season, so it's just kind of a a rough year for them. But, uh, you know, the Jets are in a building year, as they have been for the last, like, eight or nine years. I don't know who the construction crew is there, but you really need to fire them. (laughs) It takes that long to build your team. Well, they had like one glimmer of hope and it just, it was a glimmer at that. They made it to the playoffs. They went through the first round and then they fell apart. So it's part of being a Jets fan. It's kind of like being disappointed all the time. Same situation as being a Mets fan. I think it's just the Ets at the end and it being a New York team just pretty much sets you up for failure. I was going to say like being a Maple Leafs fan, but... That doesn't have the et at the end. Yeah, so the Mets and the Jets. But that's all I have for the NFL. Me too. Where would you like to go next? Major League Baseball, I guess. Okay. I know some awards were announced, but try finding that information anywhere. I found it. Good for you. (laughs) So I know that Alex Gordon of the American League and Nolan Arenado Mm -hmm. of the National League. Yep have both won the Platinum Glove Awards for Best Overall Defensive Player. Yeah, so this award's given to players by votes from fans after you've already qualified for the Golden Glove Award, but it is the fourth consecutive time winning the Platinum Glove Award for Nolan Arenado. And it's the second time for Alex Gordon, who I don't know if he's retiring now or a year from now, but... No, this last season was his last season. Yeah, so, so. it's a good way to go out, I guess. Yeah, I could imagine it weighs on you playing a majority of your career in Kansas City. And, like, again, they're a team that always kind of was like, well, we could do something this year, and then nothing ever came of it. And, like, it's demoralizing playing for teams like that for that long. I remember him for a lot of years playing against the White Sox and just being like, man, I really don't want to go up against this guy. And then next season it's like, well, he's playing really well still, but the rest of his team's not playing so great. Yeah. I think it's definitely a good way for him to go out on his career, for sure. But since we're on the subject of Glove Awards, I have the Golden Glove Award winners as well. Give me one second here. Who does that go to? A lot of people, as it turns out. So in first base position... What? Every position gets a glove? Well, every position, one from American League, one from National League, gets the Golden Glove Award. Every position? Yep. What? We're going to start right now. So in the American League... I might need to go get some snacks. It's, it'll be fast if you stop interrupting, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, the American League winner was, at first base was Evan White from Seattle uh, Mariners. The National League winner was Anthony Rizzo from the Chicago Cubs. The second base American League winner was Cesar Hernandez. In the National League, it was Colton Wong from St. Louis. In the American League for shortstop, it was J.P. Crawford from the Seattle Mariners. 
in the National League, it was Javier Baez from the Chicago Cubs. You start to notice there's a little bit of a pattern on some of these, so I, I apologize, like with the teams. Third base, you had uh, the American League winner Isaiah Kinner Falefel, Falefa from Texas. Falafel? Falafel? It's not Falafel. <laughs> the National League winner, obviously, in that position was Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies for the gold glove there. In left field, you had the American League winner, Alex Gordon. Go figure. Uh, in the National League, you had Tyler O'Neill from St. Louis. In the American League, center field, Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox. There you go. You got one. The National League winner, uh, Trent Grisham from the San Diego Padres in center field. In right field, you had the American League winner, Joey Gallo from the Texas Rangers. And the National League winner, Mookie Betts from the Los Angeles Dodgers. We're going back to the catcher position. The American League winner is Roberto Perez from Cleveland. And the National League winner is Tucker Barnhart from Cincinnati. Uh, the Golden Glove winner for pitcher, this is pretty much it, I think, after this, uh, is going to be Griffin Canning of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, called the California Angels the way they've always been. The National League winner, Max Freed from Atlanta. And that's the Golden Glove list. Wow. Uh, I was going to try to copy it down in my notes, and I realized that is going to take forever to do, so I just kept the webpage open to save us all some trouble. That is that is too many. But there are more awards to get to, so I don't know if you have any notes on the next ones. No. I do. We have the 2020 Silver Slugger Awards. That this sounds is, like a little kid award. This is also by positions. The difference is there's no pitchers because pitchers didn't bat this year because they all had the DH. Here we go. Ready? Salvador Perez, the catcher from the Royals. Jose Abreu, the first baseman from the White Sox. DJ LeMahieu, second baseman from the Yankees. Jose Ramirez, third baseman from the Indians. The shortstop, Tim Anderson from the Chicago White Sox. Mike Trout, uh, I did outfielders all together because they actually just pick three. They don't pick them based off of left field, center field, or right field. You have Mike Trout of the Angels. Teoscar Hernandez from the Blue Jays and Eloy Jimenez from the White Sox. The DH for the American League was Nelson Cruz from the Twins. The National League winners at catcher Travis De Arnold from the Braves, Freddie Freeman, the first baseman from the Braves, Donovan Solano, second baseman from the Giants, third baseman Manny Machado from the Padres, Fernando Tatis Jr., shortstop from the Padres, the rookie extraordinaire himself. Uh, the one that kind of helped everybody become Slam Diego, as it was. The outfielders would be Mookie Betts of the Dodgers, Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves, and Juan Soto from the Nationals. And to top this list of awards off, Marcel Ozuna, the DH from the Braves. That is all the awards I have. I had to get it out real quick, just so it's moving on. And over. And it, there's a lot. So Obviously, the common factor was the Royals, the Braves, the White Sox, and I would say the Padres. That's really about it. Everybody else is pretty well mixed in there. So, But those are all the awards. For what? That was for the Silver Slugger, which was basically best batters. That in a many? Position. Well, yeah, one from each position, yeah. Just like the Golden Glove Award. That's dumb. Yeah. They haven't announced the Platinum winners yet, so it'll probably come next week. Did we not go over the Platinum Glove Award? Platinum Glove, but not the Platinum Sluggers. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. That'll More be next come. week. More to come and take years off my life. <laughs> I did that pretty quick, considering. This but... sport is stupid. <laughs> there are there's still more news going on in the baseball world. I don't know if you have anything other than the awards. But I, I have, have one thing. I okay. have one other thing. 
the Toronto Blue Jays yeah. have agreed to terms on a one-year $8 million deal with free agent left-hander Robbie Ray. Okay. I don't know who this person is, but nor, nor do I. he's making $8 million in one year. I know that he got traded to them this year before the um, trade deadline. Okay. And that they liked him enough to give him $8 million more million, so good for him. I was going to say kudos to him. That's quite the payday itself. The purchase of the Mets was finally approved by the owners of the MLB for $2.4 billion from Steve Cohen. The vote went 26 to 4 approval. So that was a fun thing that happened. And then Alex Cora re-signed as the head coach for the Boston Red Sox. The last big World Series push that the Red Sox had, Alex Cora was the head coach. He then went to the... Houston Astros and was part of the cheating scandal. So now he's back in Boston. Yep, made a full round trip back to Boston. But that's all the baseball news I have. I tried to keep it light, other than those awards. I promise. And that's why I tried to just power through. I them. just don't understand having an award that you give to every position. That doesn't make any sense. What is that? I don't make the rules. I just follow them. I'm sorry. It's stupid. It doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Might as well get participation trophies. The Elite percentage of people that make it to the major leagues makes me really hate what you just said. (laughs) As somebody who played baseball in high school, and for most of the years before that, I know the very slim percentage of people that actually make it to the big leagues, let alone to just make an appearance, and it's very, very, very slim. I am sure being an athlete is hard, and you deserve all the awards they will give you. Anyways, where would you like to go next? The NBA. Okay. I only have one real piece of news from the NBA, but that doesn't mean anything because... I'm here. Yeah. I have three things, so it's not that bad. You probably have one of my three things, I feel like. So the NBA Players Association reps have approved the plan to start season on December 22nd. Mm Mm-hmm. The tentative plan includes a reduced 72-game schedule, but all of the additional details remain to be negotiated. They had voted on Thursday to approve the start date, but left to be decided are how much players will make due to a shortened season, how they're going to test all the players, and other safety issues. So, like, the big stuff like 90, hasn't been 90% out. of what needs to be approved has not even been approved yet. And then they keep extending the deadline. This will be the third time they've extended the deadline. They pushed it back till Monday, so tomorrow. For well, when the we're recording day after. The day before. The day before, before this actually posts. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? They might push it back again because it seems like these conversations are going the way of the MLB CBAs during the offseason this year. So. Well, you're including player monies. Yeah. So I would think that's going to take a while for the Players Association to agree. There we are, shall see. There are a lot of big player names that are out there that are like, let's just get this done so we can play. And like, it's going to be the shortest offseason in the history of the NBA. But go figure, the pandemic would cause something like that to exist. The training camps still have to happen. And they're looking at December 1st for the training camps, starting to play on the 22nd. And they still want to play Christmas ball. That is a lot to fit in to 25 days. Yeah, and I definitely don't disagree with you on that. Obviously, as we stated last week, there are small practices going on in scrimmages already with the NBA, so it's just a matter of getting those full team camps going. 
And the draft is still scheduled for November 18th, if I'm not incorrect. That hasn't changed. Staying in place so far, which is like really the only solidified thing other than the start date at this point. So, And I don't know if that... Does the draft really have that much of an effect on anything? I feel like it doesn't. Players aren't involved in the draft. Not CBA-wise, but yes, future players are involved in the draft. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like it's not going to affect anyone who currently plays in the league. No. Yeah, it should should not affect that. But the NBA is aiming to allow fans to attend games this season in luxury boxes or in premium seats up to 12 feet from the court, following similar guidelines to what the NFL is currently doing, which has been working pretty well. They haven't had any spread of COVID cases from it. They had that one scare in the first game in Kansas City, but all the tests came back negative, so there was no concern there with that. So fans will be seated in like groups of like four or five and they're going to be kept at least six feet away from every other person around them. But I just, they're, it's just weird how they're going to do it. The capacities that they're asking for from states is less than 20% of the stadium capacity. So I don't feel so bad about that because like imagining seeing like the AAC 20% capacity filled, I don't think that would really bother me as long as everybody's kind of well spaced out and wearing their masks while they're not eating or drinking their food. The thing that you're having to rely on here that I'm not a big fan of because I don't trust people is people working together to make sure that they're all following the rules and behaving exactly as they're supposed to be behaving. Having experienced Texas in the time of COVID, I don't trust you MFers. I don't want you anywhere near me. I don't want to touch anything you're going to touch. I don't want to breathe the same air as you. Like, you can go to the game and I'll stay at home because A... I've seen people not even wear a mask in the outdoors because they think it's affecting their breathing. And then I also have had COVID and I still have damage to my body from having COVID. So, I mean, I don't want to be put in that situation. Yeah, I can understand that. But there are probably people who are healthy enough, who are cooperative enough, and who have enough money because I assume this is going to have an effect on ticket prices as well. Yeah. So, like, those kinds of people, I don't mind going to games and enjoying sports. I miss sports as much as everyone else. It's just, I don't know that you have the kind of community spirit here in Dallas to do that. Yeah, I can kind of agree with that. I think it, like, if you wanted to do, like, a luxury box with your friends or something like that, like, you get everybody together that you know has been actually taking it seriously, I'd probably actually be more comfortable with that than sitting in those seats, like, 12 rows off the off the well, how many court. people are allowed in a box anywhere from like 10 to 15 people so. so like you could have your christmas since they're doing christmas games you could have your christmas in a box yeah that'd be cool so yeah. i mean if you have the money to do that and your friends and family are following the guidelines then like that would be a cool christmas thing and like yeah covid is still happening but isn't this so much fun yeah it's a kind of a break away from the lockdown pandemic style process that some people are following so i don't know it's kind of neat Also this week, Toronto Raptors are down to three final cities that they would play in next season due to travel restrictions in place with the country of Canada because of COVID-19. They're currently considering Nashville, Tampa Bay, and Kansas City as their locations. Don't most of these places already have a team? None of those places already have a basketball team currently. I'm thinking of something else. Yep, you're thinking... Baseball? Nope, Nashville doesn't have a team. I'm mixing 
baseball and hockey then. Yeah. But Nashville has hosted six times since 2010 the SEC championship in the same stadium as the Predators normally play hockey. Okay. So there's plenty of seats for them to have those situations. It's just going to be weird to see how many people actually come out to the games if they do decide to let them sit in the stadium because they're obviously not the home team by any means right. there. So They'll always be the away team. Yeah. But who knows? Nashville likes to take to weird sports from time to time. So Maybe after COVID's over, Nashville will adopt Toronto's team. Yeah, I don't know that the city of Toronto would be too happy about that. Well, Nashville always wants more sports. It's true. But that's all the NBA news I have. Like I said, I only had three things, so short and sweet. Well, in the world of MLS, they are just about on to the playoffs. So the 2020 MLS Cup playoffs will kick off on November 20th and end on December 12th. There will be 18 teams that participate in the postseason, which is an extension over the normal amount because it is the time of COVID. And the postseason will consist of single elimination matches. So far... Almost all the teams have clinched, but today is what they're calling Decision Day, the day we're recording, so it will all be set by the time the episode comes out, but for now, the Western Conference is set with its eight teams qualifying directly into Round 1. Those teams are the Seattle Sounders, Sporting Kansas City, Portland Timbers, Minnesota United FC, LAFC, FC Dallas, Colorado Rapids, and the San Jose Earthquakes. It's a very fitting name for uh, a a San Francisco Bay Area style team. (laughs) I saw that name and I like vomited in my mouth a little bit, I think. Well, the the order you read it in is definitely not where the standings are right now. No. Yeah. Those are the teams that are in. I was like, wow, FC Dallas really slid down the table from when I refreshed. This is is not where they're standing in the table right now. It's just a random list. Gotcha. And the Eastern Conference will be set again tonight. There are currently six teams that are set. And in the Eastern Conference, four teams have to play down to two teams. Right. And so whoever's in the bottom four spots have to duke it out to make it into the playoffs. Everyone else is just directly into the playoffs. Yeah, currently those teams that are on the bubble for the playoff are the Red Bulls and Nashville's soccer team. They both have 29 points, and if they win, they could jump over New England's team for that sixth spot. Let me tell you what six teams are currently set to be in the playoffs. How they're going to be in the playoffs is questionable, but... Toronto FC, Philadelphia Union, Columbus Crew SC, Orlando SC, NYC FC, NYC Red Bulls, Nashville SC, New England Revolution. It's a great name, by the way. I actually really like it. It's better than the Philadelphia Union. Yeah. Whatever the F is that. (laughs) Teams that are still up for the final two spots are the Montreal Impact, Chicago Fire, Atlanta United FC, Inter Miami CF, mm-hmm. and DC United. Yeah, they're all within striking distance. The only team that's been eliminated is FC Cincinnati, which is kind of funny because when we were coming back from uh, Rome, we saw their team, FC Cincinnati, in the airport. Yeah, it was weird. They were they were also stuck there with us, so waiting for planes. Yes, for planes to come, and I was like. I swear that's a soccer team, but I just don't recognize any of these people. (laughs) And there was a reason, because they're not a very good team. Well, we saw in someone's backpack or something, it had their little symbol. Yep. But that's really all of the big news going on in the MLS right now, coming up to the playoffs. It'll be decided for sure who plays 
and who's going to have to play into the playoffs as of tonight. Right. Did you want to go back to the NHL or stay with soccer? Stay with soccer? Why would I split soccer? I don't know. I'm just asking. All right. Where did you want to go? you want to go to the Bundesliga and talk about your loss yesterday? Well, go ahead since you already started. <laughs> You're rude. So It's like every time we have the Classica, you just want to have a fight. It's not my fault your team sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways. <laughs> Bayern Munich yesterday handed... Dortmund the loss in the first of the two meetings for the Classico this year. Um, this one was in Dortmund at Signal Iduna Park with obviously no fans because Germany started that back up of not allowing fans in the stadiums. Yep. The Dortmund team lost 3-2 to Bayern Munich. Goals coming for Bayern in the 45th plus four minutes of stoppage in the first half. I feel like that's too long. Well, they're probably something that warranted it. They don't just give out four minutes unless so something takes time. up like six to eight minutes. You had Robert Lewandowski scoring uh, in the 48th minute. And then Leroy Sané's goal. And I don't know if you saw it. Just it. Your, Chef's kiss. Yeah, it, it was such a beautiful goal. Dortmund's defensive pairings got drawn in by the forward line kind of backing up a little bit. They baited him. And your two center backs just didn't have the pace to catch the counterattack. You had a bad turnover in our box, the goalie box, to score. You had a bad turnover, and we capitalized on it. We had three. It was a three-on-two, and then one of your defensemen misstepped, and then it was a three-on-one. And needless to say, your goalie really didn't stand a chance at that point. And that's that's what the game-winning goal was. Dortmund did have some beautiful goals themselves, though. Marco Royce's goal coming in the 45th. Captain Bubble Wrap. Flawless cross to just a quick little just beak right in. And then Erling brought Holland also scored. Because when is he not on a score page? Right. He's always on the score sheet. Right. But that victory moves Bayern Munich clear into first place. I mean, you were already in the first place. We didn't need to go there. They lead the table currently with 18 points, followed by Red Bull Leipzig in, with 16, and Dortmund sliding to third uh, with 15 points. But the shocker, I think, honestly, for me, is how well Union Berlin is still performing. Okay. They're fourth place. They came up out of relegation this year. So, like... Well, they didn't impressive. come up out of relegation for nothing. Clearly. They're, they're here to play. They have not lost a game in their last five. They've drawn twice and won three times. So, I, I'm impressed. They're doing real big things. They're taking out teams quite a bit larger than them, like Bayer Leverskin and Modern Gladbach. So, like, kudos. If they want to keep beating teams like that, I'd appreciate it. Right. It keeps uh, the distance a little bit between our but teams. But then you have to worry about... Them. them yeah but that's all the bundesliga news i have i figured you wanted to go in to depth about. on your w well you know you can never go wrong with a little win it's just when the classica comes you're on one side i'm on the other side and you're always like dancing and making fun of me and stuff like that and i'm just sitting there like okay well you guys have won one in the last six so it's not really a good record right now so things happen i'm just saying when our teams go against each other not just in soccer but hockey, it's like fight night in the Johnson household. Yeah, pretty much. It's a good thing you bought a comfy couch. Yeah, well, you did give me that option, <laughs> so I'm very glad I made that decision. Um, but we do have some more soccer to talk about. I have Champions League this week. We'll start off with some good news for Dorman. They needed this victory to be guaranteed a chance at being the number one team in the group. They beat Club Bruges 3-0. to I would hope so. 
Uh, Holland scored in the 18th and the 32nd minute, and then you had Thorgan Hazard score in the 14th. So uh, definitely an easy win there. You also had some pretty big games that went on with the rest of the teams. You had Chelsea defeating Stad Rana 3-0, and Manchester United also was upset by Istanbul Basakesehir. I probably said that wrong. I tried my best. Um, they lost 2-1 to against... Uh, a team who definitely didn't, they're in fourth place in the group. So, like, it's not the team you want to lose to. It's so. like you want me to not be happy today. Oh, I'm sorry. If it makes you feel any better, the other English Premier League teams did really well. Good. Yeah. Uh, Bayern Munich also defeated Red Bull Salzburg 6-2. to two. Four goals, so basically they were tied 2-2 coming into the last 10 minutes of the match. Bayern Munich scored four times in 10 minutes. This is why your goal differential is so effing high. Because the team just flips a switch, all of a sudden it's just like goals, 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 goals. And so how many did Lewandowski score? Uh, he ended up scoring two goals in that game, but it was otherwise a pretty well mixed around team effort. So That's pretty rare, actually. Yeah. Mon Gladbach defeated Shakhtar Donetsk 6-0. to zero. They were the team that upset Real Madrid last week. So, okay. And then Liverpool defeated Atalanta 5-0, to zero, led by a hat trick from Diego Jota. It's of Spanish origin, so I imagine the J is an H pronunciation. If it's not, I'm sorry. It probably is. Um, yes. But I, that's the way I know my Spanish, thanks to growing up in Southern California. So hopefully that's right. Yeah. But that's all the Champions League I had. Those were like the big games and the big upsets. So I just figured I'd cover those. That's all the soccer I have. If you have you any others. You don't have anything from the Premier League? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> that's what I thought. wasn't a good week in the Premier League. To say the least. Well, you still have to discuss it. <laughs> do, do I? Fine. I do have something for the Premier League. I have the standings, and we'll just go with that, because that's easy and safe. Well, what happened to make you so upset this week? <sighs> I'm I'm not as ensconced in soccer as you are, so why don't you explain? Newcastle United lost to Southampton 2-0. Okay. Southampton is a good team this year. Newcastle is a really crap roll the dice you never know whether they're going to be great or they're going to be just garbage so you've been a newcastle fan for longer than i've known you so why is this not something you're used to <laughs> i am used to it it's like being a chicago sports fan you have a couple good years and then things don't look so great for a little while yeah so i i'm used to losing put it this way it's been ingrained in me to understand that losing is just a regular thing as long as my team doesn't get relegated i'm completely content with the way newcastle plays i well, just Last I had heard, they were, like, middle of the table this year, right? They still roughly are. Okay. That, that, the standings really didn't change that much. Um, Leicester City moved up into first place this week. Tottenham is currently in second place with their win today. Uh, Liverpool is in third. Southampton is in fourth. They were in second yesterday when we played them. So Ouch. They basically didn't really get the benefit of the doubt, I guess, because Tottenham won by such a, uh, a level, I guess. Chelsea in fifth. Everton has now slid from first to sixth. I wonder how that happened. They started losing. They've lost three straight. Manchester United also beat them. Yep. Yeah. And that wraps out basically the top six there. Uh, you have Newcastle in 13th, Manchester United in 14th, and that's pretty much the table. So there are the things. Okay. That's my Premier League wrap-up for you. I appreciate you delving into that despite how much this week has injured your soul. Yep. Good thing other teams are still doing good things. So. You you are brave. However, I am sitting here watching the Bears lose right now, so I guess it's really not that great. I knew you were always 100% focused yep. on sports. So, moving on to the only sport that I actually care about. The National Hockey League? Hockey League? 
Yeah, that's the one. Oh, okay. So Alexander Ovechkin has come out and said that he has no intention of playing for anyone other than the Washington Capitals. He is on his final season of a 13-year, $124 million contract that he signed in January of 2008. How did I not know this about him? Not until I read this article did I know that he had such a long effing contract. What is that? It, it's a big contract, but realistically, like, if you break down the overall, like, per year, it's really not that His much. His AAV is still pretty high. Well, yeah, in comparison to hockey sports, but, like, an Alexander Ovechkin quality player in any other sport makes way more money. Well, that's just the money differential between the different sports. Right. Like, it is still $9.538461538 million per year as his AAV. Are you freaking kidding me? Right. That's still a lot for a hockey player. Yeah, and then he wants to retire by playing for, like, his original childhood team or something like that is what he was saying. His original team he played with before he came to America and played in the NHL. He wants to stay with the Caps for the rest of his NHL career. And then right before he retires officially from the sport, he wants to go back home and play for them again. Right. And the Caps are the only team he's played with in the U.S. Like, he's played for these two teams, and that is it. I'm not shocked. But retirement isn't really on the agenda for him. He was saying it could be two years or four years or five years. Like, it's really far down the road in his eyes. Well, he's still having career-level goal-scoring seasons, so, like, I don't blame him. Like, he's within reach after going for the Great Ones records right now, so it's like, why not keep playing? But this is something that we discuss all the time, is if... The great one was playing now. He'd have far fewer goals. He would have a far smaller record than he does. So, like, the sport is completely different once you hit these certain milestones. I would argue a counterpoint to the fact that defensemen are barely allowed to touch people anymore. Like, it's a different era when it came to defense. Like, they could clobber the crap out of you even in his era, and it was nothing. And now they're so protected that you can be like a little five-foot-nothing guy and still go and play hockey. But this is also a completely different era of goalies. Oh, without a doubt. They're much bigger, faster, more athletic, everything. They are much better. Their equipment is much better. The goals themselves have changed in yeah. their shape. And size. And then you have the rule from the 90s that you can't be in the blue paint and score a goal. Otherwise, it's disallowed. Yeah. So, like, over the years, you have all these things changing. So, like, I don't like comparing the great one to really anyone else. Right. Because it's like, if you were playing in the same league together at the same time, I don't really know who's going to come out on top with that. Well, it's just the same as comparing like LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Yes, they're both great players in their eras, but how would they play in each other's opposites? Who the heck knows? Right. Like you really don't know, and it's not a fair comparison. So, but the fact of the matter is that if he breaks the great one's record in the era of better goaltending, it's very well respected. Like that's crazy. But then it's like you were saying about the defensemen. Yeah. And you and I have discussed goalies can stand on their head all day long, but But if they they don't have anyone to back them up, they're still going to lose games. And like, it's, it's really kind of a toss up there. I personally have never liked Ovechkin because I think he's a Because he plays for the Capitals? Oh, I thought that was... I mean, I also don't like the Caps, but I mean... (laughs) 
Can we he, can we admit to the underlying reason? I agree that I have bias and that I dislike the Caps as a whole because it's someone we deal with multiple times a year and I don't like them. Right. I will also say that I don't like who he is as a person. I think he's a bit of a brat. Yeah. Talk about that one all-star game where he tried to get everyone to vote to give him a car. Like, you make how much money and you want people to give you an effing car? So much that you're going to be a brat about it. Like, come on. And, you know, he is someone that everyone can gravitate towards if they're a fan of another team. Like, you see a lot of people who are fans of his and aren't necessarily fans of the team. Same thing happens with Crosby. People can be fans of Crosby without necessarily being a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So, I don't know. He's a likable guy. Just not for me, I guess. I can understand that. Drysdale, who is an 18-year-old that was selected during this 2020 NHL draft. I think he was pick number six. He was picked by the Ducks. He has officially signed a three-year entry-level contract. Okay. That's all I got on him. Exciting. I don't know anything about him, so... Well, he was picked number six by the Ducks in the 2020 NHL draft. Yeah, so he's going to learn how to go quack, quack. Do you think they make them watch all three movies before they it's start? It's got to be a requirement. I mean, you're the, the, the Mighty Ducks. The team was originally owned by Disney, Walt Disney himself. So They like, had those original uniforms. Yeah, don't, they don't still you wear feel the like you ones. have to? Yeah, you got to. I wonder if they pick apart the hockey when they're yeah, I'm just hoping none of my Ducks fans' friends are listening while we're talking trash about their requirements. Well, they can quack off. Go away. Oh. That was a joke. <laughs> I'm glad you explained it. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody would have understood. And Ryan Strom... <laughs> Agrees to a two-year, $9 million contract with the Rangers to avoid going into arbitration. Yeah, they avoided arbitration with two different players. Yes, the other one is Brendan Lemieux mm-hmm. agreed to a two-year, $3.1 million contract with the New York Rangers on Friday to also avoid arbitration. He was set to have arbitration that day, and they signed a contract. They're like, hey, bro, just before you go in there. here, Here's an extra 100000 which is what I assume. Why else would you... Signed a $3.1 million contract. Uh, well, it was rated at $1.55 million, which was actually about $450,000 more a year than he was making previously. So, well, I had those notes. but 3.1 is just a number that makes my brain go... Yeah. Panthers also re-signed Mackenzie Weger to a three-year contract with a AAV of $3.25 million. And I, I really didn't know any people by name shy of Brennan Lemieux and Ryan Stroms. So, like, they, there are a lot of players, I guess, that I'm not following that closely in the NHL. That yeah. Got contracts. I don't know if you have any more. I have a few, but I just was going to let you go. The Blue Jackets signed defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov to a three-year contract with an AAV of $2.8 million a year. The Islanders also re-signed Ryan Pollock. I did. I've heard of Ryan Pollock, but I don't really know who he is. Uh, for two years with an AAV of five million dollars, so he must be somebody good. I've heard the name for sure. So yeah, if I've heard of them, you probably are somebody. Right. And then the Red Wings re-signed Anthony Manta to a four-year contract with an AAV of five point seven million dollars. So talk about another big payday. I basically just stuck with the names I knew and then the big contracts because I figured those players were probably important. That's what I have. I don't know if you have anybody else that signed contracts. I don't have any more signed contracts. I've got depressing news. Which is? So Jim Nielsen is a defenseman who played 12 of his 16 NHL seasons with the New York Rangers. He has died at 79 years old. Oof. In his 1,024 NHL games, he scored 368 points which were 69 goals and 299 assists. Oh, 
Lynch. That's rough. I didn't have that news, so I'm glad you covered that. I feel like I've heard of him, but vaguely. Yeah. The NHL also put out some depressing news this week, kind of forcing the hands of the Players Association a little bit. Okay. They won't accept anything lower than 48 games next season. So pretty much puts the players on the clock because that would require them to start January 1st. Yeah. There's that. You could easily get into a situation with the NHL where you start on January 1st and something happens along the way and games start getting canceled and all of a sudden we're back into playing playoff hockey in September. Yeah, I think the big thing they still need to figure out is how they're going to work the schedule out with all these Canadian teams still part of the organization. I think that's where they're running into the pickle and they realize it and they just don't really know how to solve that problem right now. What about having all the Canadian teams play all their games that they're supposed to against each other and then they come down to the U.S. to play out all the rest of their games and then no one has to travel to Canada again? That kind of makes sense. I just, I don't know if that's the smoothest process either. Probably not, but I mean, it does answer the question of trying to get U.S. teams to Canada. Like, that just, that's not going to work. Canada has tighter restrictions right now in the U.S. They're not requiring just a negative test to go to Canada right now. You have to have a negative test and quarantine for 14 days. So that's kind of the dilemma. So that pretty much takes going to Canada off the table (laughs) But I think it would also help get them into the U.S. to play out everything. Or they could just not have them in Canada for the season. They'd be away from home like the Toronto Blue Jays or whatever. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm thinking they're going to do just because a lot of the, the provinces in Canada right now aren't allowing their leagues to have bodily contact. So like in Ontario, we talked about it last week where they're not allowing decking or physical body-to-body contact between players, which it's like that's almost the entire game, guys. You can't take that out. There are other aspects of hockey, but yeah. It's a big part of playing hockey. So to say the least, it's not really the best news in the world, but at the same time, at least there'll be a hockey season, hopefully. So that's good, I guess. Yeah. That's all the news I have for anybody today, sports-wise. And we have also the rest of this week and next week, and then we will be taking a break to go home for thanksgiving question mark on that because because covid right no one in texas or oklahoma is taking it seriously so we'll see if we end up going there for thanksgiving either way we will be taking a week off yeah and they'll be back to it and it will actually be christmas season Mm -hmm. even though some people think christmas has already started i.e my wife yes So make sure you guys check out all of the social media. It should be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you later on in the week on Thursday for the book podcast. Yes. Thank Uh, God. (laughs) There are no awards like there are in baseball given out in books. So you're okay, guys. Everything's going to be fine. There are book awards, just not that same level of them. Not every writer gets an award for finishing a book. (laughs) Thank God. Right. But we'll see you guys then and we'll catch you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.